Hey everyone and welcome to the Mind Body Musings podcast. This is your host Madeline Moon and you are listening to episode 311, which feels like a lucky number somehow, some way. It feels like a really good number. I mean, we've got the sacred number of three, which makes a triangle, strongest shape in the world. And then we have 11, which is the number from the angels. So I don't know. There's that. So um, today's podcast is a solo episode. I am in my Airstream right now, which if you're new to this podcast, I've been living in an Airstream in upstate New York for about four months now, and it's raining. So if you hear some pitter patter, that is the rain on the tin Airstream, and it's a delicious, cozy sound to be inside of this little spaceship and hear the rain pitter-patter on the roof. So I'm hoping it actually comes across on this episode. Ah, Let me just settle in here. I am really looking forward to today's topic. Um, And I have had a lot of different ideas of things I want to be talking about because I've just been like having all these different avenues in my life opening up. I've been looking at the way that I I am redefining the feminine for myself because that needs an upgrade. Um, it, it's just an, an evolution of how I relate to the feminine and going even deeper into how can I feel my feminine heart in any given moment, even when I am taking care of tasks and responsibilities and taking names and kicking butt and like doing all the things? How do I not play the role of victim when I can't access my feminine because the world is making me super masculine? I've had some of these thoughts over the past couple weeks of, oh, I don't feel my feminine. There's so many expectations of me. I'm having to do all these things and going into the victim mindset. On a parallel thread, I've been studying the gene keys. If you are not familiar with the gene keys, the creator, Richard Rudd, will be making a star appearance on the show very soon. He's he's on a different level than humans, than humanity. Like he's so in touch with something big. Amazing man. Um, But he created this thing called the Gene Keys, which to some people may feel similar to human design. Um, And I'm not going to go far into it today. I'm just going to encourage you all to go look and go type in Gene Key and pull up your own profile and then do some studying. But there are 64 Gene Keys and There is one gene key in particular that the entire world is really embodying right now. And that's gene key 55. And gene key 55 is unique in that there are only two parts to it. Most gene keys have three parts. They have, it has a shadow, it has a gift, and it has something called a city. 
and the shadow is the dark side, the city is the light side, one could say. That's an easy explanation of it. And Gene Key 55 has the same gift and city. So the shadow is um, victimhood, and the gift of getting out of victimhood is freedom. And the city, the ultimate landing place that you want to be when you've moved through the shadow is also freedom. So when I've been looking at my relationship with the feminine and looking specifically at moments when I feel like um, my partner is in his emotions or I feel trapped in any way, I, I go into this state of, I can't feel my feminine, which is the gene key 55 of victimhood. But this gene key is everywhere we look. Like right now, it's around white fragility. And the defensiveness that a lot of white people are having whenever they're having some of their racist uh, systems pointed out, and then they get defensive, and this is called white fragility, and that's also the same uh, gene key. It's going into victimhood. And... um. And a lot of the questions that I've been receiving lately from listeners and followers, it's so interesting how this theme keeps popping up over and over again of how any time you are in the shadow, you are playing the role of a victim. Now, I love shadow work. So there's a part about embracing the shadow, I believe, is completely crucial. Like you must do it. You must play with it, create art out of it. And that is not victimhood. It's actually really empowering to be to go into um, your shadow and realize, well, hmm, let's see. Oh, this is a great example. So in the Sisu Society, which is my um, my membership group, there's been a lot of conversation around longing, and um, there there was a couple people, a couple amazing women who shared that they all have this deep longing for their their beloved to enter their life, their twin flame after the twin flame. So I've been saying to come into their life, their soulmate, they're longing for them, they're yearning for them, and they're getting antsy for them. And if that, if that need goes on without actual active capacity training, meaning you don't train yourself to be with that need, and instead you just try to fill the need, The shadow, the victim state, is not having awareness of you desiring to fill that need. We see this all the time with women who just date, 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 and they date the wrong people who are not on their level or are not a good match for them or who dismiss their emotions. And basically, essentially, they're dismissing their own emotions. It's just a reflection of how they treat themselves. It's not even about the partner they're with. It's about them allowing themselves to be with a partner like that. And that is the unconscious shadow state of wanting your beloved to enter your life and pretty much being with any any person to fill that void. You don't want to fill that void. You don't want to fill the longings. So you'll just date anybody. That's being in the shadow in an unhealthy way. It's actually the victim state, especially when you realize that person's not good for you. And then you say, why do I always end up with people who aren't good for me? It's because you keep dating them and dating them and dating them because you refuse to be with the longing. And so one of the practices that I will give women in the CSU Society or in my one-on-one coaching is to actually create art out of that feeling. 
So I gave the assignment to one of the women who was wanting to fill that void and was craving to be with their their future partner to totally embrace this longing and just be a mad woman like be a love crack addict have the mascara running down her face and just say oh, I want you I want you so bad I, I need I need to have you I need to have you I need to have you uh, and uh, God bless these incredible women just going in for it it's so beautiful to witness people go into go into their shadow and embrace it fully and create art out of it and play with it that is not the the victimhood that is freedom that's the definition of freedom like so to me when when you're in the shadow and you're like really in the shadow and you're not looking at the shadow at all you're just totally living in it that is victimhood but when you see how you're being in the victim mindset and then you play with it it's a way that you go into the freedom it's a way that you stop taking yourself so seriously. You become the divine joker. You have humility in this act of acknowledging your deep-rooted craving for something. And I've noticed my own uh, victim mindsets. You know, One of my stories that's come up very clear for me is that I didn't really realize this before, but with people who are very close to me, I'm, I don't share like... I, don't sh- I share a lot, but there's there are a lot of details of my life and of my mind, things that go on in my mind that I just don't share. I keep it very close to me, very sacred. And then when they, my beloved or friends, whoever talk a lot about their work or whatever it may be, I'll create the story in my head that they're taking up so much space. They're talking about themselves all the time. What about me? What about me? Why do I not get the spotlight or why am I not? being heard about all the things that I love to do and what I'm doing in my work. And then I realize, oh my God, it's because I'm not talking about it. It's because I'm not sharing it. It's my own story. And I'm leading myself right into that trap by not doing it. So I'm playing the victim by putting myself in this victim role pretty much unconsciously by not talking about myself. And then when everyone else is talking about themselves, I get frustrated about it. Or when everyone else is proud of themselves and talking about their accomplishments and what they've done and I haven't done that in a while I'll I'll think to myself oh they're being so egotistical and it's really because I'm feeling triggered that they're bragging about themselves and I haven't done that in a while so this theme this 55th gene key is something that we're going I'm planning on discussing with Richard Rudd when he comes onto this podcast but I wanted to go ahead and just plop this in here now because today what I wanted to glide into after touching on that is this question that I received from an Instagram follower asking me, how do you keep a high vibe with a low vibe family? Such a good question. (laughs) Um, Okay, so a lot of people right now have been stuck with their family from quarantine. Maybe the family you were raised with or it's your personal family you have created. Or it's your best friends, whoever it may be, and there's going to be times of low vibeness. And um, there's a second question, actually, I'm going to bring in as well. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be talking about both these questions. So that's the first one. How do you keep your high vibe with a low vibe family? And then the other question that I want to circle into this that I received is how to cope with a close relative 
or family member that treats you like the old version and pulls you back into your own old self. I think this is essentially the same thing. How do you cope with a close relative who treats you like the old version and pulls you into your old self? So here's what I will start this off with and say about this is that there is no old version of yourself. That's living in the land of duality, which it seems like I love because I'm talking about feminine, masculine, but, um, and, and good and bad. And I do believe that there is that in the world, but when it comes to you, you and yourself, like who you are at your core, you are an entity that is of spirit, of God, of everything. So there's a part of you that let's say is yellow like there's a version of you that's yellow and yellow includes bubbly and bright and whimsical but also triggered by xyz has food issues has this that's that it's like yellow encompasses all these different versions of you and we can also look at this as 2014 version of you and then you went to therapy and then you worked on yourself and you became blue and then blue encompasses food freedom and maturity and in a relationship and triggered but triggered by something else now you're triggered by jealousy and that's your main struggle and and then you go to therapy for that and you become a relational coach or whatever soothing remedy you create for your life for that and then you go to red and then you are red and you're married and it's it's 2020 and you have a child and you get triggered by hearing you're not feminine enough and you get triggered by believing your partner's not masculine enough and like you have a new set of struggles and triumphs you're just in a different stage you're a different color so all of those colors are still encompassing you and ones you've never even seen ones you've never witnessed there are those creatures that can see like 17 different colors where we can only see the Roy G. Biv. Like you have an infinity amount of colors, colors you've never seen in your waking human life available to you. And you're, you're able to shift between these different versions of you depending on the situation and depending on what arises. And so there are going to be times when you see people or, or spend time with people from your past when you were like deep in the throes of yellow. And simply seeing them smelling them feeling them is going to bring back a visceral experience of that quote version of you but that version of you has always been within and always will be within but the amazing thing about this question in itself is that you have awareness of it now i absolutely go into a quote old version of myself when I'm with my father um my dad is a super nice guy and he's funny but he's he's also very challenging to spend long periods of time with for someone who loves all people and wants everyone to get along like he's very opinionated and it's not always PC and I get really triggered by some of the things that he says especially when he talks about women he's I don't know what women he sees. He, he just like will say things that is so from his generation and it can trigger me. And sometimes I will react. Uh, I won't say poorly, but I can react with frustration and I'll burst and I won't have a moment of clarity between 
him saying something and me saying something like it it's almost as if I have a Pavlov response of my dad using a certain tone and saying something a certain way and then automatically my body goes into the state of panic and like wanting to point my finger and say stop that or run away like I want to run away at times and this also happens in relationship if a fight you know, I think we can all relate to this of if something is said in a fight that was said before that really hurt you and they promised they'd never say it again and they say it again and you have a Pavlov response, basically, it's it's called a trigger. It's a reaction. And our goal is not to completely heal this because that's a very huge goal that might happen. But the the more important goal is to simply have awareness of it. So let's say you go back and you see your family in California that you have had some hard times with and they do something that they typically do and um, it frustrates you and you get triggered, the most important thing that you can do, and this goes the same thing with the first question, how do you keep your high vibe with a low vibe family, is to acknowledge what arises. And without judgment, I know so many of you are teachers and healers and coaches and feminine beings and advice givers and lovers and musicians and creators and all these things. And you care about walking your talk. So I want to give you permission to mess up, like not be so perfect, not always say the right thing. There are certain situations I'll have come to come up for me where I say, oh, God, if this was filmed, I'd be so embarrassed if my listeners saw this am am I walking my talk this was terrible that I just said this thing or acted this way and that doesn't serve me that doesn't serve anybody that's again duality that's assuming that there is a right version of myself and also that goes right into victimhood it's making me either like myself or dislike myself one or the other and as Richard Rudd says um, we do this we go into victimhood to prove that we are existing because if we're suffering there's proof that we're here we're real so typically our our subconscious tries to to find ways to either like ourselves or dislike ourselves to feel alive or we want others to like us or dislike us but we want one of those things instead of just nothing because it proves we're alive. We're here. People see us. Even if you're like right now thinking, I don't want people to dislike me. There is a part of your ego that does crave separation, otherness. You want to be seen as an other, as either a special because you're unique and bright and shiny or you're victim and you've been repressed and exploited and you get to wave a flag, a emotional marker saying, I've been through this. I'm a part of this club. And it's not to say that hasn't happened to you. It's not to say you have not been a victim in your life. If you have been raped, you have been a victim. You have been put into the victim uh, uh, stance in your life, role in your life. You have played that role. It's not to say it has not happened. But true freedom, even in that situation, is to say, yes, that did happen. And I am still in this body, in this life, and I'm still human and deserving of what I want of a good life. And that does not define me. I think that's the key thing here is that that does not become the defining marker of who you are. It's something that's you've experienced in your life, but it is not who you are. Same thing with being a mother or being a coach or being an author or being a domestic violence survivor. These things are all things that you have experienced 
Maybe you're in the doing of it or the being of it, but it is not who you are. So looking at this instance of being high vibe with a low vibe fam, you're in maybe the experience of being high vibe. You're in the light, but you cannot be in the light without also being being in the shadow. So when you go home and you're with a family that's negative and downright ridiculous and judgmental and maybe racist and you are doing your best to be high vibe and inspirational and you're manifesting and you're encouraging it is so healthy for you to also be in those very quote low vibe places because it gives you an opportunity to speak up to to call out or as I've been liking to call it call in people who are racist to do better to call them in or it shows you what you're not accepting within yourself if you're around people who are judgmental and then and then you judge them for that it's really just reflecting to you your own judgment your own refusal of what is very human because all humans are judging all humans have judgment thank goodness judgment is what allows us to date the right people for us or make the right friends friends that are healthy for us judgment is good But being around, quote, low vibe people is a crucial part of being a light worker, being able to be in the presence of darkness and shadow and to still remain a light, to remain in your own personal bubble, to not let that entity, whatever you feel, attach to yourself. It doesn't mean to be a martyr. I'm not saying that you want to live in a situation like that. I've had quite a few clients who live at home. And they come to the sessions feeling really disempowered. And to me, it makes a lot of sense. So these, these families are constantly keeping them in the, in the child energy. Like they wake up in their parents' house, they eat breakfast at their parents' table, and then they're trying to figure out how they can act like an adult in their dating life and in their personal life and self-improvement. They want to act, they want to feel powerful, but yet they're living in the literal house they grew up in with their parents and in their roof and they're not paying their own bills and they're not doing these things that are going to help create more of a sense of empowerment and put on the next layer and let's say your parents are dismissive of you or treat you like a child or don't respect your privacy of course it's not a surprise that you're not feeling like a powerful queen in your queendom and if you're still living there because it's cheap, you might be avoiding the very hard thing that you need to do in order to claim your queendom. Believe that you can create the money to have the apartment of your dreams. Believing in yourself to create that website and start coaching people. Yeah, sure. I mean, having free things is great. And that is a form of abundance. But also, so is sovereignty and agency and having your own space where no one gets to get into your headspace about you being a child or you being insignificant or whatever story you you feel when you're around your parents. You get to clean your energy field. You, You actually paying for your own place creates that feeling of queen ownership. You're believing in yourself to be your own rescuer and, I I mean, Prince Charming, but that doesn't feel right to say. Queen Charming, that does not feel right either. But you know what I'm saying? Like, you are stepping in to become the person that you're waiting for. And 
it was a huge, huge step for me to move um, move on from an ex-boyfriend that I lived with and say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to have my own place because this is important to me. Even if this rent here is free, I'm going to commit to putting down money every month for me and utilities and my website fees and expenses and this and this and this. And the more expenses that I'm paying for, the more taxes that I'm paying, the more that I'm stepping into that queen version of me that is deserving of all the luxuries that I want all the space that I want and that space also allows more more time to work like how are you going to get much work done if your parents keep popping their head into your room not much what if you had five hours of uninterrupted quality time with your computer writing blog posts and doing Instagram stories and sharing your your coaching program that in itself, that five hours of uninterrupted time could create that client that then is going to pay for that rent. I'm going off a little bit on a tangent here, but my point with that was saying, I'm not telling you to be a martyr and to stay in that situation forever and ever and ever. You have to look at, honestly, just like the pro cons, like there's pros to being in a situation with your family and then there's cons you know I I live in a community right now which for me has a lot of pro cons pros like being in an awesome community having people and access to people and conversations and in nature and um, there's so much just joy in this house and this area and with all these people and then there's also less alone time less sovereignty and agency I don't have a car where, where I'm at because I came straight from Brooklyn and I have to look at how does that affect my queen energy? You know, just starting with that question is enough for now is how is this affecting me? Okay, maybe I'm going a little bit into the victim mindset because I can't get into the car and go get groceries whenever I want. And I've got to ask my, my partner to go with me. How does that affect me? Does it make me feel insecure or less confident is that rippling into my business somehow is that energy that interaction of having to ask for permission to go somewhere basically trickling into the work that I do in the world and then if the answer is yes then what is the remedy because sometimes it's as simply as acknowledging that and then going oh okay I see that I have a story that because I have to go with my beloved to the store I'm not a queen well how can I feel like a queen as I ask or how can I feel like a queen even if I live in my parents house how can I feel like a queen even if I go to Thanksgiving dinner with great aunt Marty who always comments on my weight gain you know how would a queen a queen respond Do you possibly feel more like a queen simply by acknowledging that you are a yes to going to that dinner party rather than being like a child who's being dragged to it? Because something like that, even the simple story that I have to go to this Thanksgiving dinner could be giving you that childlike immature energy, putting you into that victim mindset when in reality you are a woman deciding to go to that dinner party. It's not that you're being forced to go. And then what other ways can you step into your ownership by dressing a certain way, speaking a certain way, holding yourself a certain way, acknowledging your triggers when they come up? Because they will. We all have people in our lives, whether it's family or friends or strangers that are going to reveal, quote, 
old versions of us. I still get anxiety. I still have um, emotional outbursts. I have a habit, not a habit, I have a, a thing that I do every once in a while where I bring up something really big at a last moment or at a really crucial moment that you shouldn't bring up something big. Like when my partner is really stressed and has, has had a long week of working, I might like wait until the most stressful moment for him where he's absolutely spent and exhausted to be like to drop a big bomb of like my emotions about him. I don't know if it's like... <laughs> my subconscious like trying to find a way to create drama somehow or or if it's old from my past but it's not what the well rested dynamic phase sorry follicular phase uh meditated kundalini open version of me would do but it is what my exhausted inner child fearful self would do because it's looking for love. I'm looking for love. My little inner girl is looking for love and looking for attention and looking for, to be unconditionally emotionally safe. Something I didn't have as a child. <clears throat> so when you say how, when you ask how do I cope with a relative who treats me like my old version, what I want you to ask yourself instead is what is it that my little inner girl or little inner boy <clears throat> is feeling? When you have a trigger come up when someone treats you in a certain way, first off, well, not first off, I've mentioned a lot of things already, but one, you cannot control them, especially family. Like, let go of that right now. Unattach. Imagine that they're going to be the same way for the rest of their life. They are never going to see you differently. My father still sees me as this little girl period. I've accepted it. I've embraced it. He's, he's starting to take advice from me, which is awesome. But like, it's only now that I'm nearly 29 that he'll listen to anything that I have to say and, and, and advice because he saw me as someone that like was born from him. So of course he was like, I know better. I know more. I'm the man. I'm this many years old. And now he's like reaching this new level where he goes, well, maybe I can learn something from her. And I believe it's because I unattached from him needing to. I stopped thinking that was my role. I let go of that. If if it happens, so be it. Awesome. But if not, that's totally fine too. I don't need my father to tell me that I am great at giving advice to believe I'm great at giving coaching feedback. I know that I am. It's proven and I've been doing it for years on end. I was one of the first like life coaches <clears throat> of this generation on Instagram, like this wasn't a thing when I started. I didn't have people to look towards. There were people who were, but mostly it was like health coaches. But doing this as, as a youngin at being a life coach and stepping into that was not something even eight years ago that was really big. And I couldn't look to my relative to tell me it was good or enough and that's where so many women and men are, are getting blocked is because you are looking to your original caretaker to tell you that you're doing a good job and it's biologically you're biologically programmed to do so it makes sense but you're also totally aware of this now because i just said it and once you know it you can never not know it so the person to get that a validation from is not your relative, not your family. This is actually a role that you get to choose. You get to choose who does that. I have chosen certain teachers that I then hired 
I hire people to validate me. Or I have great friends who I know I can count on and and they even will say, do you want, uh, you want me to just be here for you and hold space? What did my friend Jamie said? Do you want a, you want a tissue box, a soap box, or a, uh, I forgot what the other box was, but it was really funny. It's basically saying, do you want me to hold space? Do you want me to chime in? Do you want me to give feedback? And my friends do that. So those are the people I look to for that validation or my clients when they say that was a great session. But you know who I don't demand it from? My family. And that includes my great aunts and my uncles and anyone who's known me since birth. So unattached from them needing to be any way different than the way that they are in order for you to be who you are. That is really healthy. And then have this awareness when something comes up and get curious and ask yourself, what is my little inner girl or little inner boy asking for right now? And don't make it something big. It's not, they're asking for me to move cities and get away from my family. What is it that, what is the quality that is needed right then? What is the ingredient? Maybe it's to feel safe. Okay, so what do you need in that moment to feel safe? Do you need to ask your lover or your family member to hug you or to tell you that they love you no matter what? Or to do you need to actually go into a separate room? This is more of a masculine thing, but like going into a room that has four corners and you can close the door and feel yourself enclosed in a nice safe room for a moment. And take three deep breaths. Like what in that moment can you do to recenter yourself and to acknowledge your inner child asking for something? Because that's what your trigger is pointing to. Something you're craving, something you're needing, maybe feeling unsafe. Um, and the last thing I'll just say is you're allowed, you're allowed to not be with people too. You're allowed to let go of certain people in your life. There are parents who lose the right to be called mom or dad. And you get to decide that. They don't get to decide that. There are aunts and uncles who lose the right to be aunts and uncles. Biologically, they'll stay that, but that doesn't mean that they are, are, they are that to you. You do not have to hold everyone as as biological family, as energetic family, you are allowed to cut those ties, cut those cords, and you are still a good person. You are still a worthy, beautiful soul. You do not need like them to murder someone for you to to say that that's worthy of not having them in your life. You get to decide this and you are still okay. There's it does not put a black marker on your record for you letting go of someone in your life as a family. You get to choose your family. This is something my friend Jamie Woolrab, one of my besties, talks about. We were talking about this recently on a little Marco Polo of like the concept of choosing your family and how powerful it is to really be able to say, you know what? Like, this was my biological mother, but this is not the person who, who, who gives me love. And they have lost their right to be called mother. And, and I, I don't know if we all have a moment, anyone who's going to go through this. I don't know if everyone has a specific moment where that becomes clear. I think it's a gradual process of being like, 
over time, this is not okay for me anymore. And it's, it's really a, a act of self-love when you realize that someone is hurting you over and over and over and it's putting you in the victim, the victimhood, the victim shadow side to stay in relation to them. And this isn't black or white. Sometimes there are people that you keep in your life and they get to keep the, the label as father or mother and you just have strong boundaries with them emotionally and physically. And there's sometimes there's going to be situations with people that they lose that right. They lose that right. And it's you as a man or a woman stepping into your self-worth. Wow, what an act of courage and strength. Ah, if you would like more, if you want to go deeper, come on over to the Sisu Society. Sisu means extraordinary determination or grit. And this group is a collective society of feminine beings, these divine feminine creatures who are also desiring to learn how to hold the pose and be in the masculine and set containers and have strength and to keep moving forward in love, whether they're in relationship or not. And Sisu having this determination is something that I think a lot of people in this feminine space do not talk about nearly enough about being in the feminine and having an open heart takes determination. It's not easy. It's not always the most natural state. Sometimes we have to train to learn how to create pleasure and freedom moment to moment. And this group now has 57 women in it, 57 society members. And I always imagine us like in this awesome cave in the National Library underground holding leather-bound books and drinking wine and talking about our ancestral lineage. And we're also all bleeding at the same time or whatever, I don't know. But this group is exceeding my expectations so much. And I had this vision of wanting to have a very intimate group where a lot of conversations were happening about love and relationships and gene keys and shadow sides and polarity and feminine masculine and tantra but also very down to earth not something that's super up in the air which i do love that from time to time but a very grounded earthy group and that's exactly what's been created and the membership is only 19 dollars a month and it's no commitments and i'm posting in all the time so i'm essentially providing personal coaching as well in this small group and i'm i'm keeping it at 19 for right now I know I have plans and intentions to be increasing the price soon but the way that I originally intended this group to go was to have a a low cost membership with more people in it so that this group really felt like this society of beings from across the world that could come together and that's why I've enjoyed keeping it at this price because that was my original goal and it still feels really true for me so if you want to check out the Sisu Society you can go to maddiemooncom forward slash Sisu dash society and I have some clips in my Instagram live from our calls if you want to get a taste of what it's like so far we've talked about how to give the quality that you want in relationship how to give it instead of waiting for it like in in, and I lead you through a meditation to find out what that actually is for you I lead you through a meditation to find out what it is you never received from your parents growing up that you always wanted And as a byproduct, you're always searching for in relationship. I guide you into what that is and then how to give it 
in your life, whether it's a romantic or platonic relationship. And then also I help you see what do you do whenever you don't get that thing? Do you sulk? Do you fight? Do you storm off? I will guide you to figure out what, what it is you specifically do. And we've also talked about the wounded feminine and masculine and the pure versions and how to move from that land of the wounded into pure. Some people refer to that as toxic. I don't. I've done a 50-minute embodiment practice and in going into archetypes, the feminine archetypes, a lot of movement. I've included playlists for you. And um, I've broken down some real-life examples of how to give the thing that you want in relationships. So we're just going deep. We're like going deep into relating. I have plans to talk about forgiving those in your life that never asked for forgiveness coming up here soon. So if you want to be in that call and you want to attend and join us live, then you can sign on up ASAP. And um, I think it's it's great to be in the group now because this is where all the conversations are happening. They're happening in real time in the Facebook group and communities are being formed and there's always replays available. So if you cannot miss the call live, you can get the replays as well. I look forward to seeing some of you there in the Sisu Society. I'll include a link to that in the show notes. You should be able to see that in the description on your podcast app. And let me know if you have any questions in the meantime. I am happy to answer that. You can shoot me an email or go to my Instagram, Madeline Moon. Send me a DM, M-A-D-E-L-Y-N-M-O-O-N. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I look forward to seeing you for our next one on Wednesday. Wednesday.